Welcome to the Mayor Spotlight. I'm your host, Rowlett Mayor Blake Margolis. I'm excited to bring you this insightful and informative episode on the most critical aspect of our city's governance, the fiscal year 2024 budget. On October 1, the city of Rowlett embarked on a new fiscal year, and with it comes the responsibility of allocating resources, setting priorities, and planning for the future. Joining me today as our special guest is the person at the helm of this financial process, our city manager, David Hall. With his expertise and leadership, David plays a pivotal role in ensuring that our city's financial resources are allocated efficiently and effectively. And together, we'll discuss the highlights of the fiscal year 2024 budget, its key priorities, and how it aligns with the vision for the city of Rowlett. We'll also explore the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead as we work towards a stronger and sustainable future for our community. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you, Mayor. All right, so I'm going to discuss the process a little bit and then kind of move into a question. Sure. So as you know, the budget process had a rocky start this year, and the budget that the council was presented with earlier in the year had unexpected information from the previous city management about our potential financial status going into the next few years. That caused us to cancel that budget work session so that we could regroup and address the unexpected financial realities um, Mr. Hall and his staff came back to us with a budget that reflected those new realities. We realized together that things needed to be done differently in how we budget and how we look forward to the future. We, we need to be stop. We need to stop being focused so much on, you know, day to day, month to month and be focused on 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Uh, and that's, that's what it's going to look like going forward. So our new city manager, David Hall came into a situation that turned out to be a lot more challenging uh, than he knew at the time. And I appreciate the city manager and the city's finance yeah. team for putting together this budget in that manner. Um, is is there anything that you'd like to add about this process? Kind of how you pretty much, your team had to create basically two budgets uh, very quickly. Well, I think, Mayor, you, you kind of said it. Um, you know, I joined the city on June 5th and thought that for the first time in a very long time, I could kind of sit back. The budget had um, probably been about 80 to 90% complete at that time. And really thought that I would take the helm and, and take this budget and move it forward into implementation. Uh, but as you also know, in doing what was proper due diligence and reviewing the budget, and I kind of realized our model uh, at the time showed us with significant uh, fund balance usage, not fiscal year 24, fiscal year 25, but taking to the point that you made earlier, a really more uh, focused look in the future. When we started to move into fiscal years 27 and 28, uh, we realized we were depleting of over 83% of our fund balance. And that is not a sustainable position for any city to be in. And, and thus, to your point, we, you know, in our conversations, the council decided it was best to allow me to go back and really take the helm of the budget and, and, and craft the budget anew. Uh, and so credit to the staff for being willing to, as you say, we crafted two budgets. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, I <coughs> vividly remember in that uh, initial work session, um, getting the very sober reality of what was coming and and wishing that had been communicated more clearly previously. Um, you know, council had allocated uh, a few million dollars as a, what we call a, a bridge mm -hmm. um, uh, over what would, you know, not be revenue coming in, but that those few millions would help us absorb that uh, for, so that way when um, the time came, we were able to, uh, receive some of the funding from increased revenues. Uh, but 
what wasn't communicated was how far, how, how much more far out that that ended up yeah. moving. And we basically were going to create a budget that did not have that in mind, leading us to a deficit in future years, which um, is pretty remarkable in even this market to even be facing something like that uh, when appraisal values are, you know, skyrocketing. They are. Uh, so we shouldn't be in this situation, yet we find ourselves in this situation. Um, yeah. So that's why it was so important that you got on board as fast as possible uh, to help us transition quickly and take care of these things um, so that way we're we're being more focused on future planning and not just playing catch up and day to day. Um, I so badly want the next mayor to not have to deal with what I had to deal with, which is taking over um, a total mess. Um, I'd, I want to ensure that the next mayor has the tools they need to be successful um, just for future planning and and sustainability. So... Let's review some of the key <clears throat> highlights and priorities. The total fiscal year 2024 budget is $173.6 million. The tax rate has increased 2.9 cents to support um, uh, services and outstanding debt obligations, including that this includes the tax rate increase uh, approved by the voters in May of 2023 for the bond election for the facilities. And the North Texas Municipal Water District and the city of Garland have increased supply and service costs. Uh, water and wastewater rates for residents have increased by 3.9% uh, for residents and businesses, which amounts to a $4.80 uh, increase per month for the average residential customer. And trash rates are also going up. And based on the increased contractual costs with FCC, the refuse rate will increase 4.5% for residential and 5% for commercial. We were able to absorb a significant amount of the water rate increase. Um, as you know, North Texas Municipal Water District passed on a 9% rate increase mm -hmm. to all of the cities. And because of our more conservative budgeting in our water fund, we're able to absorb a lot of that. Um, and then, of course, we always uh, have rate increases from the city of Garland. Any Everything is going up. So there, nothing, nothing's decreasing. Um, so just like everybody's having to deal with inflation, the city has to as well. And, and we're able to absorb a lot of that. But in some cases, we do have to pass on some increase to maintain um, our operations because we not only have to provide the service, we also have to maintain uh, mm -hmm. our current infrastructure. Can you go in a little bit? Sure. sure. Um, you, you know, it's important for people to realize when you talk about something such as utility funds, they're not only obligated to ensure current maintenance and operations, but they also have to ensure they've got sufficient fund balance to take care of capital, the capital needs. Uh, to the point that you made earlier, uh, council set aside and allowed us as staff to use some of the excess fund balance to offset the rate increases, I think to the tune of almost $425,000 this fiscal year, we were able to use that money to somewhat subsidize and, and offset this rate increase. Otherwise, the rate impact would have been more uh, significant. So I think that's something uh, important to note. You also talked about the waste uh, contract, which is, again, a contractual increase built into not only Rowlett's waste uh, contract, but really every waste contract. Uh, the city council just approved a new waste contract, which won't go into effect until fiscal year 25. 
But the effect of it, I think, is important to note that when we start fiscal year 25, we'll actually be in a better position with the new contract than we would have been staying with the prior contractor. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people are going to be excited to hear that we're moving to a different contractor, and um, that's for public services. So some of the highlights from the fiscal year 24 budget include uh, two police officers. Uh, that includes a unmarked vehicle, and that establishes uh, the problem-solving unit um, in the amount of about $336,000. This was a uh, priority for the council um, because, you know, because of the increased growth in the region and in our city, that naturally comes with an increase in crime. And um, the problem-solving unit allows our uh, this division to focus more intently on specific cases and specific criminals. Um, that way, there's people that are focused on um, the higher crime uh, issues. Um, and because we have our patrol officers just you know, really running mm -hmm. call to call, uh, some time to patrol, do traffic enforcement, but we don't have a dedicated team. Yeah, it's a tactical unit. That is really focused on um, the higher crime areas and individuals. Um, so this is something that we actually hope to build up more in future years and expand this unit. Um, but uh, we're very excited. Council is uh, happy to have this uh, going into the budget, and uh, I'm sure our chief is excited about it as well. Additionally, um, we're hiring another commercial vehicle enforcement officer to protect roadways from unnecessary damage by securing compliance with state laws and regulating the weight of commercial vehicles. This is in the amount of $217,000. Um, so a uh, all of this uh, unit, basically, uh, all of the equipment, costs are being paid for out of the commercial vehicle enforcement fund um, and for personnel half of the personnel cost is coming out of the general fund and the other half is coming out of the cve fund um, this allows the officer to be more flexible um, but we've had so much uh, success with our current cve officer um, making sure that trucks in our city are compliant with state law and we wanted to expand that um, because there's just so many trucks that run through this city because of all the construction in the region and private uh, development going on. And then also, this is something I want you to speak on. Uh, we've increased funding for the capital improvement program in the amount of, um, that has about $7.8 million assigned to it. Can you go in a little bit of, of, about that? Well, it's really more about the maintenance that we've moved over. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, city offers uh, maintenance, capital maintenance programs and sidewalks and screening walls and all of those things. And so that's been increased as well. Right. Yeah, th there's, there's some people think that we just allocate um, CIP funds through the bond elections, but we actually do have a lot of general fund cash mm -hmm. that's allocated to it. Um, that's something that we're you know going to be looking at in the future uh, on better way to manage that fund. And, you know, should we should some things be in the bond election? Should some things not be in the bond election? Uh, for example, um, pan concrete panel replacement, uh, that really is something that could be bondable. Um, but those are some things that we'll yeah. be looking at in future the, years. The city has taken a significant amount of its cash funds and put them in a capital expenditure. It's probably not the way that most cities will do it. Right. Yeah. So that allows us to look more into um, the bond and then that frees up some cash mm -hmm. in future years to pay for, you know, personnel costs or other things. 
Um, additionally, in this budget, it also includes public safety radio replacement program, and the city has over 400 portable radios for emergency services and events that are reaching the end of their useful life and maintenance eligibility. So we're, we're funding this first and at $50,000. Uh, this program is really over a million dollars. Um, and so the re- we're going to be starting this replacement program, replacement cycle for these radios. Uh, these are one of the things that a lot of people don't understand, um, just how expensive public safety equipment can be uh, radios that you think you know. Oh, that's that's five hundred dollar radio, if that, right? Mm-hmm. No, they're like <laughs> they're like fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand. Radios are sometimes expensive. can even be up to six thousand dollars. Yeah. So they're they're not cheap. Also, in this budget, we're absorbing personnel costs of nine firefighters previously paid for with federal grant funds awarded in twenty nineteen from the Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response or Safer program. Uh, so in this, in this budget, uh, the general fund is absorbing over $1 million, um, to pay for these firefighters. So can you kind of go into that and, and how that works, how we're able, how you were able to find the funding to cover this? Well, really let's talk about the safer three-year cycle for those grant recipients pays for firefighters. And then thereafter you're obligated to pay the salaries and benefits of firefighters that you've uh, taken under that grant. And so coming out into fiscal year 24, the city had gone through that first cycle for the grant for nine firefighters. Uh, credit credit really to the, to the city. They'd set aside some money in anticipation of this. Uh, not quite enough for some of the costs associated with this. Uh, it's also important to note, and we've talked about this before, uh, fiscal year 24 is the first year where nine firefighters will come off the safer grant. But we're also looking forward planning this year for next year's impact because fiscal year 25 will also have nine firefighters coming off of a safer grant whose salary benefits and otherwise will hit uh, the general fund. So Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's one of those things, credit to the city, they kind of had set aside some of that money. It wasn't enough, so I didn't have to do much for that. The bigger challenges was that that was $1 million extra hitting the general fund. While we had some of the money, uh, what it really did is took away from the ability to grow some of the other things that you mentioned. Mm such as the police officers and some of the other things. And so what we looked at, we came up with ways to fund a commercial vehicle officer. Uh, We looked at other ways to fund things for the police department, such as one-time expenses from the seizure fund. And so while we had money that was, uh, quote-unquote, earmarked for this, what it really did was depleted funds available for other legitimate operational expenses. So we were able to maneuver some stale funds, as you know, from other sources such as refuge excess fund balance and other places mm-hmm. to really supplement the general fund to allow maintenance and operations to not only continue, but to grow a little bit at the same time. Right. You know, since b- before these safer grants, um, before we implemented these, I think the last time the city had hired additional firefighters was probably back in 2005. Uh, we were just in such a dire need to increase staffing. Um, so we're, we're glad that we were able to tap into the FEMA grant uh, to absorb a lot of that cost, but uh, three years does go by pretty quick, and at that point, we are fully responsible for covering those salaries and benefits, Um, so it obviously does take a hit to the budget. The next thing that's in the budget uh, for fiscal year 24 is the allocation for inspection fee funds Mm -hmm. to the Recode Rowlett Phase 2. Uh, this includes development standards, subdivision regulations, engineering guidelines, and administrative procedures. Uh, any amount of $150,000. We're going through the Recode Rowlett Phase 1 now. 
um, it's been a pretty interesting process. Um, and it's, it's exciting to be a part of it because it is going to define the future of the city. Um, we have a very interesting and confusing current <clears throat> development standard situation yeah. in the city. Yeah. Um, I, for some reason, I'm sure there was a reason before, but I personally, my opinion, don't understand it. But we have the form-based code mm -hmm. and the Rowlett Development Code, two different codes. Um, it It is not easy for the end user to understand which code to use, where it applies. Um, and so going through this process is to result in a single-use, simple-to-understand development code. Um, uh, we're partnering with an outside firm to mm -hmm. help us develop this, uh, but it's going to be a lot more user-friendly. It'll have pictures of what certain codes are talking about. That way you have a visual depiction of what a regulation type is. Um, so you came from, well, you have a pretty substantial background in development. Yeah. Can you speak to this and... Yeah, this is actually one of the things that uh, I was pretty excited to learn about when I was joining Rowlett. Um, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, Rowlett's really one of the few cities that's still using form-based codes, uh, certainly to the degree and extent that, that we are. Mm -hmm. uh, form-based codes were kind of in vogue, really, uh, at least in this area, back when I was uh, in Fort Worth, previous city. Gosh, maybe 2007, um, Kind of came in like a comet. A lot of, lot of cities, we really looked at it hard and found that there were some difficulties in a true application of it. And so a lot of cities really didn't um, utilize it much, much longer after kind of sticking their toes in a little bit. Uh, that being said, we have it here. It has created obviously some development challenges moving forward with the recode route. Lead is significant. You, you said it all. It's going to create really one larger development code. That's going to be, that should be uh, thorough, comprehensive, and mo most importantly, clear uh, to follow. And I think that's one of the challenges in development is that you have so many regulations. They're often in conflict. They're patchwork uh, amended. Uh, they're not cohesive and, and oftentimes not comprehensive. And mostly they don't work well together. Being able to do this, and, and it's a credit again to the city for undertaking this, will hopefully change the complexion of both of how Rowlett is viewed in the development space, but just as importantly how it actually functions. And so I think it's a pretty significant thing that doesn't often get the recognition that it probably deserves. Yeah, I, I'd say also through this process, uh, I didn't understand why going through this was such a costly endeavor, but I do now. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty darn intense. Um, you mean you're developing um, significant codes mm -hmm. and regulations and stuff that requires a lot of uh, input from stakeholders Citizens. and it touches and on a lot of disciplines from the legal aspects yeah. to development aspects architectural aspects zoning mm -hmm. it touches on a lot of disciplines as well right and so it it certainly uh is a strenuous process but one that i am very excited to see the result of um and i know the development community and our citizens who are wanting to build their own things or do their own work will appreciate this uh, because of its ease of use uh, that's the intent, ultimately, is ease of use and easy to understand. So, 
the next thing is uh, much needed to parks maintenance specialists. The Rowlett Park System continues to grow as the city adds assets, uh, trail sections, and enhancements through bond projects. This is in the amount of $121,000. I'd say more than anything, though, this is about better maintenance of our current assets. Um, we just, we struggle. We struggle. Uh, it's also because we just don't have <coughs> enough staff. Um, yeah. We're very spread thin. Uh, typically, when you're in the budget process, council is really focused on your essential services, public safety, public works, um, things of that nature. And so the other things tend to come last or second. Yeah. Uh, and so we've just deferred this issue way too long. And um, I wanted to make sure that in this budget, we prioritized parks maintenance specialist because I can't continue to complain about parks maintenance if I'm not also trying to help the situation by adding more employees. Um, can you speak to this just a little bit more from your perspective? Well, yeah. I mean, this was something that, you know, heretofore, quite frankly, I got to get a, you and the council credit for because it wasn't really on the radar. But you did complain a lot about the parks maintenance. And I said, well, there's a solution. Mm -hmm. Increase the staffing. And you were supportive of that. Um, you know, it's interesting. People think that the city manager can just wave his hand and, and things happen, but ultimately... No, they, they think the mayor can do that. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> but, but ultimately, the decisions are ultimately made by the city council. And so while I saw the definite need to increase staffing in the parks maintenance area, uh, because it wasn't just you that was complaining in my first uh, few weeks and months here, I noticed mm -hmm. that our maintenance was lacking a little bit. And, and as you said, it isn't just as much about the growth as it is taking care of the assets that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at that staff, it's thin. It's small for the acreage and the, 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 the space that we need to maintain. And so I just think it's important that, that we recognize that the council took somewhat of a diversion. Uh, because, again, the priorities are always public safety and public works. And it really took something that I think people don't readily recognize. You go to the parks, you want them to look nice, you want the facilities to be usable and, and, and attractive, but it takes human capital to do mm -hmm. that. And so credit for the council, you and the council, and you led that because you know, we had offline conversations and we didn't know how it would be received because ostensibly you're, you're eliminating what could have been a police officer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I think that it's important to recognize there's a quality of life question here. Right, we have to be safe. That's number one. I don't think anyone questions that. That's no. the obvious thing. Right. But what people forget is that cities, after they're being judged on how safe they are, they're being judged on how amenitized they are, the quality of life. And so again, I, I have to give credit that we were willing to do this because a lot of cities don't. We have a tight budget. There wasn't a lot of excess. There, you know, people may look at it and go, "Well, gosh, we're spending this so so much money." The vast majority of this money is things that had already been done. Uh, you know, when you look at what we proposed, this is not even a third of it, not even no. a quarter of it. Uh, it's minuscule compared to what we assessed as the need. And so I actually, for all the positions and all the things that we did, I was most impressed uh, that the council was willing to support this as strongly as it did. I think it showed, again, a comprehensive view of the need for city services. Yeah, I mean, some people don't understand uh, how dynamic running a city is. Um and all the different departments yeah. and personnel that are involved with running such a huge operation. Um, and it, it's easy for anyone, myself included, to look at police, fire, and public works as, you know, we need to tackle those issues before we even think about anything else. And I will say we have absolutely done that for the last, 
I don't even know how many years, every year I've been on council. Um, and so this was the year where I think that we needed to spread some of the love and some other directions um, because we had not done so previously. And there's a point where it's like, all right, you either got to stop complaining about it and understand <clears throat> that this is, this is the, the bed you made or you can do something about it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one complaining about it. There are citizens who message me saying, hey, this park over here is not being maintained or there's trash or there's things that are broken. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, and, and stay tuned on that. We've got a plan we're going to bring yeah. to you real soon to even further enhance with the dollars you've already allocated, even further enhance our ability to, to improve our maintenance. Mm -hmm. so. I'm excited to hear. So the next thing is allocating funding from the roadway impact fee fund to update the city's master thoroughfare plan. Um, a citywide study is, is necessary to obtain current traffic counts to properly uh, model the volume of growth, both inside and outside of the city. This study uh, is, is a lot more than I imagined. Um, it's nearly half a million dollars. Um, I've, I'm, <laughs> I would love for you to explain the cost of that and why the master thoroughfare plan is, is so important. Engineers. Mm -hmm. There's one word. That's why it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's terribly important. I think it's a, a couple of things we want to talk about with this, though. First off, let's talk about the funding source. Right. It's important for people to know this did not come from general fund money. This came from a funding source that's restricted. It's called a restricted fund, and it's dedicated for things such as the growth of your public facilities, i.e. your streets. Uh, knowing where you want to put and expand your facilities, your streets, is incredibly important to properly managing growth. That's number one. And I think we can see the evidence of at times not having done that. But secondly, one of the things that's very vexing for you, for me, because I drive through the city as well, the timing of the signals, mm. right? Now, it mm. seems like a small minor thing, but when you think about the signals, firstly, you have to look at the thoroughfare plan. What's our growth patterns? Where do we anticipate the growth to happen? Because you need to coordinate the signalization and the timing of those things with that. And so uh, in terms of the expense, it's actually probably going to be about a year study. So there's the time, there's the professional staff necessary. I too don't like the cost, but, and again, hopefully it comes in a little bit less than what our preliminary estimates are. Um, but, but that is just the cost mm -hmm. of professional services for something like this, this is a very specific area of traffic uh, engineering. Mm -hmm. I'll say too, our current master thoroughfare plan, which is, I think was developed in 2012 at this point. Um, I don't think it was, I wasn't on council then, but by the looks of the thoroughfare plan, it's really not a plan at all. It's really just a map that I could have put together um, and said, yeah, I think this road should be four lanes wide, and I think this intersection should look like this, and I could have done it for free. Um, <laughs> but, but this is a very different thoroughfare plan, yeah, one that actually has data, well, data behind, behind it. it. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Data is going to drive this. Right, and, and that's important because you have to – what we do. We have to look at things through data. Um, we don't just go on a map and say, yeah, four lanes here. Yeah. And, and um, we have to be very realistic, right? If, if this area of the city is not expected to grow, why are we going to invest, you know, 10 to $15 million uh, to expand the road when the current road is sufficient or the other or the other direction? Why isn't this road calculated to be six lanes wide when it's only saying that it should be four lanes 
um, when you're looking at a significant growth in that area, mm-hmm. um, not being able to keep up you know, the roads, not being really able to keep up with the uh, growth. I mean, that could be considered Dow rock road, right? Um, That's a great example. Unfortunately. So, so there, there are things like that where I think the thoroughfare plan will really inform future decision-making um, and put us on a path focusing on the, the right areas. Um, so, the other thing is addressing staff recruitment and retention. This budget keeps employee <coughs> compensation competitive. Um, police received a 6% raise. Fire received a 5.7% raise. And communications officers received a 7% raise. Uh, additionally, with that, open range employees uh, received a 5.7% raise. Uh, all of these raises combined equal about $3.6 million. Yeah. Um, pretty significant, um, but... If we want to have staff, we got to be competitive. So (laughs) every, every city goes through this. Um, We're all trying to beat each other. Um, And so uh, we don't just want to hit the median point. We also want to go a little bit above that. So that way we're actually being competitive uh, in our salaries. Um, We'll never fully be caught up. Um, We're, we're not a Frisco. We're not a Plano but we certainly want to do our best to, to try and pair our employees a competitive uh, range to make sure that um, they choose Rowlett. So, Obviously, that's important, right? And mm-hmm. I want to speak to that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the representative of staff, I think it's important to note that even with the challenging budget, sta- staff was able to receive this, this investment from the city council. Um, particularly, I want to point out the communications investment. Uh, I think you heard... Communications officers were getting, again, the same as the open range employees and and council heard some of the conversations from the chief uh, concerning that we weren't necessarily as competitive chief and and HR director as competitive as we thought we needed to be with respect to that particular group of employees and and, and certainly valuing their work. Council was supportive of an additional 1.3% increase to make them much more market relevant. I have to speak to this because, again, no employees, no work. Uh, This is an incredibly tight uh, competitive job market. Um, it, the public sector has been uh, as challenged as every other sector um, since COVID. Uh, there's been an attrition rate of about 28%, one study showed, for the public sector group. Uh, so we're all competitive. There are cities uh, offering signing bonuses and all of these things that we have to compete with. And so it's, it was incredibly important for the city to continue its progress towards, as you said, we're not going to be the top of the, the pay scale. And, and, I, and, and that's okay. But you can't be below the you, you can't mm-hmm. drop too far because then you can't get the best and the and the brightest and attract them and then expect those folks to perform at their best. And so some people may not like this investment. Um, but I think in terms of speaking for staff, I think it was incredibly important that the council continue to show their support. Most of all, I think we recognize that we have to continue to earn it. Mm-hmm. I, I think you said it right there. I mean, if we expect quality service, we have to pay for that. I mean, you get what you pay for. Um yeah. The, I, I wanted to go back and, and to the public uh, to the communications officer staff. That's our 911 dispatch center. Um, that was uh, really, really important for me uh, to make sure that we addressed to address that staffing or, or that pay scale issue. Um, the current manager of that division has done great because I, they've been able to maintain their staffing levels uh, for 
over a year, if not more than that, um, in 911 dispatch, that's nearly unheard of uh, across the country. You, you just they are one of the ones that are underappreciated, undervalued, mm-hmm. and also understaffed um, with a lot of vacancies. Um, we have been in a very unique position where we haven't had that issue. Um, we've been able to retain our staff. Absolutely. Um, completely unheard of. And why it was so important, why I wanted to address that pay deficiency, I think, um, was because we shouldn't just look at it and say, well, they're able to sustain their division, so we don't even really need to enhance their pay that much. We just keep them on the open mm-hmm. range scale and, and, and they'll be fine. I wanted to reward them for what a great job that they do um, and really put them up to scale with being very competitive in the market. Now they're now, now we're for communications officers. We're, we're a lot more competitive in the region, uh, with this new salary range, um, than we were previously. And this just goes to appreciate them for what they do. Um, it's never enough. Um, uh, you know, these people deserve six figures, but <laughs> we can't do that. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud of, of council and, and staff for supporting that effort and uh, bringing them up to where I think, they, I think they should be. Agreed. So the other thing I'm very proud of is the increased funding to our strategic partnerships. Um, this includes the Rowlett Citizen Corps Council um, and the Friends of Rowlett Animals. These partners are a critical business component to the city of Rowlett and serve to keep expenses down by, provi- by providing volunteer services to the city. Rowlett Citizen Corps Council includes uh, the Community Emergency Response Team, uh, the Fire Corps Team, ex- Fire Explorers, uh, a number of other uh, entities that are within the Citizen Corps Council. Um, they provide a tremendous amount of resources to this city. Um, for example, yesterday's structure fire, mm-hmm. um, they were there within minutes and providing fire uh, fire rehab on the scene. Um, and that's just one of the many things that they do as a group uh, for for the city. So we're very appreciative of them and, and glad that we can support their uh, efforts and um, keeping them um, in service for the city. So, um, all right. So thank you for being with us. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mayor Spotlight. To explore the full details of the fiscal year 2024 budget, you can find the comprehensive document at Rowlett.com. It's a valuable resource for getting a deeper understanding of how our city's finances are being managed. And to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Mayor Spotlight, be sure to subscribe by visiting Rowlett.com forward slash podcast. Stay engaged, stay informed, and have a great day, Rowlett.